0: Hi, I'm Diana Filimon, and you're listening to Fundaction Talks, a podcast about sharing stories of activists around Europe. Today we are talking to Juan del Rio from Red de Transición, a Spanish association dedicated to strengthening community resilience, ecological sustainability, and local economy through the philosophy of the transition movement. Juan will give us more details about one of the most important projects of theirs, a collaborative community of practice for eco-social just transition which they want to create so they can support the articulation of joint action across movements in Spanish-speaking communities in Europe and also connecting to Latin America. So, hello Juan and uh... As uh, we briefly talked before, I would like to tell us why are you not watching Netflix or doing whatever are normal people doing who are not civically engaged? How did you end up becoming involved in the community?
1: Well, when I see how the world is changing around me and and when I see the systemic crisis that we're facing, when I look at um, my baby that was born just uh, in the month of March at the beginning of the pandemic, Uh, And and I realize that uh, many different things need to to transform and to change. I say to myself, well, I need to, I don't know, like to bring my my effort and to to do something, even if it's apparently not too much. But that's what makes me happy when I see to transform things around me and um, for myself and for future generations. And uh, that, yeah, I think that's this process of trying to align my my vision and, and my life, not only in my work, but also in my daily life. I don't know when I... I don't have a car, I don't have television. I I have my own garden. I don't know, it, it, it's. I try to, to bake my own bread. There are many different details, so it's not just uh, about the work, but also everything in my life. I try step-by-step step to go towards that direction. But it's a continuous learning process. Uh, and I can do it alone, definitely. <laughs> I do it with a lot of colleagues and friends, which uh, I'm learning a lot from them, always.
0: You're thinking on medium term or long term when you're doing this. You're not trying to fix something now. You're trying to make it better for the children of today, right?
1: I think we need to think at different timescales uh, and at different uh, pace scales. Of course, I do things that they are short term because you need to, to go by step and you have small actions that you need to do but uh but always with this long-term vision i uh lo- by long-term i don't mean maybe like uh, 100 years because i will not live there but uh things are changing so quickly and this decade is very critical uh, in many in many ways we see how inequalities are growing so so fast we just <laughs> come on we are living in this covid uh, huge situation which is just an, a small symptom of this massive Crisis that we're facing, and only something like this. Look at the effect that has had, no? So um, I think it's important to work at different scales and not to forget the long term, of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Please tell me a, a few words about uh, the community of practice for eco-social just transition. How did you came up with this collaborative idea for Spanish-speaking communities, right in Europe and mm. connecting Latin America? How did you come up with the idea and how do you wish it to unfold in the
1: yeah. future yeah thank you well um many of the social and ecological movements uh, that all of us were part of are um, in a very interesting moment because they realized that uh, they need to collaborate more and more well foundation is an example of that of course and um and that we need to create shared narratives of change when we talk about systemic change but we, we talk about transforming the reality in many different ways. And this can't be done just by a, uh, a project or a movement in itself. It needs to be in collaboration with many others. So, for example, uh, I mostly, my experience comes mostly from movements that work at the practical level, like the transition, trans Movement, permaculture, and others, and Ecovillages, etc., and at the same time, there are many other movements that they are much, much more fighting against, inequalities, etc., but less on, on building. And um, in my experience in the last 10, 12 years working in Spain, unfortunately, it's like if sometimes we don't find proper spaces to learn from each other, to, to collaborate, to communicate. And I've been experiencing and, and working with communities of practice, both locally and internationally in the last years. And I think, um, I think it's a great way to learn and to, uh, to support each other more and more in these in moments. And um, we developed in um, parts of an organization called Rede Transición, uh, Transition Spain. And we did last year's an event called Rethinking Transition, inviting people from Extinction Rebellion, Climate Justice movements, Deep Adaptation, and many, many different movements to start, like to plant the first seed of this community of practice. Uh, And since then, we have had every month a conversation, like an open session to different topics, to debate, to to exchange, to work. And and basically the idea of this project is was like the next step of this. Uh, This, of course, open source and everything that is uh, shared and created, everyone is invited. And it was, of course, this requires a lot of effort. uh, So the idea of this project it's about um, giving a push to that and scale leap and scale up uh, this, this idea.
0: You're mentioning that you realized uh, more and more the need to work together. How did the pandemic affect this? Did it push people to understand faster than that they need to work together? Or on the contrary, it isolated people more? How do you feel?
1: Very, very good question, Diana. It has shown us very clearly that we were already quite isolated, or very isolated. And of course, physically the pandemic has been a huge barrier because of course we can't meet easily in person. But um, it has been magical how at the same time, a lot of mutual support projects have emerged. Just to, to show an example, I'm part of a food cop here in Carradé where I live. And um, as soon as the pandemic started, Delivery, free uh, service by bike just was created by the COP Uh, and part of that. And at the beginning, because my baby was super young, I received the food from them by bike and it was everything for free, everyone like supporting each other. And um, so so in a sense, I think the pandemic has triggered many, many collaborations that are new It's very challenging to collaborate online because uh, many of the collaborations now are happening like this. And again, uh, what we're doing now with this conversation in action, this is a very good uh, example. But I think this is very clear for more and more people that we need to stop competing and collaborate more. One of the challenges is that there's not, sometimes not much resources or funding available. and, And then it's like if we're competing just for like now uh, with with the renew grants, it it was a pity because when I was reading the projects, all of them were so awesome. I was just thinking, why we don't have money for all of this? And at the end, this is just nothing for for the ones that have a lot of money, no? But um, Mm -hmm. but it's not about money. It's it's about uh, how can we support each other, how can we solve our needs and um, networks are, are growing. We are... This is very important. We are learning how to work together in an effective way, much better because before maybe we weren't so effective, and I think we're improving a lot. It's a learning process, and uh, yeah, I think uh, we are. We're doing well.
0: <laughs> Julia, please, you want to ask something? I'm following a lot what's happening over there, and I have this feeling there is a like this powerful. Movements, disruptive force coming from Latin American and also like as a different responses to different issues. So like, um, I was glad actually to read your, your project, your proposition also because of this uh, connection, because I have the feeling they are activating a lot of, um, super powerful dynamics of change. Fundaction is a participatory grant-making fund for social transformation organized within a community of over 250 activists based in Europe. We act together in a democratic and participatory way to support our social movements and initiatives working towards a just and equitable world. Through this series of podcasts, we will engage with our members and grantees about their experiences and practices towards systemic change, enjoy their insights, and be inspired. What uh, could you tell us about uh, Red The Transition? Uh, How do you plan on, um, I don't know, increasing it, scaling it, scaling the initiative? And how do you plan to also reach Latin America since we're uh, in this uh, area now? Uh
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, I'm going to try to answer a little bit, both of you. So, well, first, I think Latin America currently is one of the most exciting... Latin America is huge, it's very diverse. Just by saying Latin America is a huge generalization, but, uh, but there are very, very inspiring things going on there. And um, and the truth is that not much information uh, arrives to us. One of the biggest barriers tends to be always the language, too. And, um, and of course, <laughs> we talk about colonization at many different levels. And, uh, well... Yeah. North America, and Europe, and, and the English, and also the Spanish. and, and But um, there's an important bound uh, between Spain and, and, and Latin American countries. I've been there several times. Uh, I, I have, well, there's a lot of interesting networks connected to that. And uh, I personally think that Latin America, as I've said, is one of the most inspiring and alive areas of the world when we talk about um, social movements uh, currently. And uh, I'm I'm based in Spain, but uh, many of the things that um, that I work with are totally open to uh, to different Spanish-speaking countries. And um, uh, for example, many different workshops and trainings we have always people from different countries of Latin America, and um, and I think it makes sense uh, that we. Support and strengthen these these uh, these boundaries. Above all, because we have too much to learn from them. They have too much to to share. And um, I think um, in in Latin America, the this sense of community, the strength and the support they have at community level is much more developed than than the one that we have in, in Europe in general. And um, here we can be more methodic. And maybe we, we we're very good at different tools and. Uh, but at uh, a theoretical level, maybe a little bit, but uh, they are beyond us in, in many different ways. So I think it's just a question of learning from each other. So about Ready Transición. Ready Transición um, is part of a, of a bigger network that has different uh, transition hubs in, in different countries. And some of them are in Latin America, for example, like in Brazil, in Chile, in Colombia. And they have been connected to this Rethinking Transition project that started in, in 2020, and that was the seed of of the, the application that we sent for the Renew Grant. And well, uh, it's challenging to scale up because uh, because of the lack of uh, capacity. Uh, and also because, and I think this is very transversal and is happening to everyone in, in, in Fundaction, is that the COVID has put all the attention into one concrete sink, which is the COVID in itself. And it's like many of, of other, um, effects of the systemic crisis have been um, a bit hidden by this situation. But while while COVID is happening, uh, climate change continues, social um, inequality, social justice continues c- increasing a, a lot. And, um, uh, and yeah, we're just now also in a moment, all the organizations, and the uh, Transition is one of them, we're in a moment of reevaluating how can we really navigate this this situation? Because it's very challenging, no? And I think, yeah, the support that we can uh, have here among us in fund action is is also, it can be also useful for for that. It's a moment of of adaptation, of being resilient in general, both personally and collectively. And uh, yeah, let's see, this is what it comes to to me when I I try to, to reply your question. It's not an easy moment, but at the same time, it's very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were mentioning the fact that uh, Latin America is uh, an inspiring place. What should we look for? Whom should we watch from Latin America in order to have an idea of what's going on over there? Like, do we have like an NGO, or where should we look for more informations about Latin America? Because, as you said, there are two. It reaches us too too little of what's happening there. Reaches us only some various protests or. Crisis they're going through, but you're, we are not connected to the reality from there. What should we whom should we watch
1: <laughs> Wow that's a good question i don't know if I will be able to to give like a, 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 the best answer, but I'll try. There are different types of, of networks and movements that in my opinion are, are very interesting then um, th- the different networks that they work at uh, with indigenous people, for example, are super interesting. Uh, of course, the, um, some of them are, are, are very old. They aren't uh, new, but um, you can go, of course, from the Movimiento Zapatista in Mexico to I don't know, like to um, to the Movimiento Sin Tierra in Brazil. You can uh, well, I don't know. They are the, the, these are the ones that they come to my mind at the indigenous level. But there, there are many people working with uh, with these. Then, of course, there's many people working at community uh, sustainable community level so you have uh, casa latina there's la eh, la red de asentamientos sustentables in uh, Latin america but they are doing a very good work and they are present in many different countries well these are the the names that come to to my mind but then of course because they are struggling in many different countries with extractivist corporations that they are going to bolivia to chile to so there are a lot of fights there with, with Minery and but um i I don't know exactly to whom you should contact there's um an organization that maybe I can share a few links if they are useful with with you but I don't remember the names now In the um, Debt, uh, globalization depth observatory and they are working really well with the extractivism um challenges uh yeah these are the the names that come to my mind
0: mm-hmm That's great. Uh, We know where to start becoming more engaged with them. Uh, You were also saying at some point that the next decade is very important. And I would like you to tell us a bit more how you see the next decade. Why is it so important in your opinion?
1: Well, I think it's, it's crucial because the current ecological and social patterns are accelerating more and more. I just remember, for example, when I was in Copenhagen in 2009 for the COP15, well, like uh, with, with many different people demonstrating for climate justice. When we were there, we were talking about not going above 350 parts per million of CO2. And right now we are, it's more than 410. And this is going exponentially more and more. We see we're in the sixth mass, mass extinction right now, where we're losing species... Uh, faster that, than uh, in the Cretaceous, when the dinosaurs disappeared, you know um, we're seeing more and more—I don't know—conflicts of uh, many different types all over the world, and um, and and this is just uh, getting accelerated. We see, of course, all the far-right nationalisms that are emerging all over the world, and and polarization is uh, at many different levels, as as you can. Uh, Perfectly, seeing your in your places uh, are growing, are growing and growing. So um, yeah, this is this is the the reality, and um, and there are many many things that it's like if we're crossing many tipping points, you know, points that we will not be able to go back at social and ecological level, and and that's why this decade, what we do in this decade, is going to be crucial to see if we will we go towards. A type of society that is more connected to the earth and to the people, and and is uh, less competitive, and um, and we see people thriving, but not because they have more, but because they support each other and they have what the basics uh, for life, and also um, more, much more equal. And uh, or we can go, um, if we follow the current business as usual, towards a future where only a few, few very rich people will control the world. That is more or less what is happening right now, but it will be much harder. And um, yeah, like a, a collapse uh, in a way of our society. I think this is what is going on. Really, it's happening now.
0: I think one of the reasons are, people are so overwhelmed and don't act is because they feel like there are too many problems to solve. So because there are a lot of problems as you mentioned. That's a uh,
1: that's a key question. That's a key uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> So if if it was up to you to choose one thing on which we should focus first of all. I know it's hard, but <laughs> this is, let's let's try to do an exercise of imagination and pick one problem which we could fo- we should focus more on. What would you think would be that one?
1: While the question is, very, is a very good question because it, it brings this point of the, 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 the massive challenge we're facing, how overwhelming it is, how complex it is, and I don't know if it's the right question. i explain why. Because, um, first of all, if we only focus on one of the topics, uh, it will be not enough because all the topics are interrelated. And if we cover very well climate change, but we lose biodiversity, for example, then we're fucked. Or or we solve inequality, but we continue destroying our ecosystems, everything's fucked. And so, and then there's the question of how do we face all these challenges? Because we can't change the world by ourselves and we live in a concrete place uh, and we need to act uh, in 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 this space that we have um, capacity to um, to to influence and to to interact with, so I could say that um, we need to face, of course, and act at social, ecological, and economic level, and we need to um, uh, we because they are already we don't need to re- reinvent the wheel. There are already so many. Uh, projects, movements and initiatives doing great work uh, at all these scales and at all these topics. But we need to in, we need to in my opinion work mostly at local and bioregional level, uh, at municipal level, and creating networks working uh, in different in different places. But we need also to understand thanks to internet, we're able to interact with people all over the world. But these infrastructures they require a lot of energy, and the, uh, this idea of mm, people traveling around the world by plane and this is not going to be like that in the future. That's not going to be feasible, basically. So uh, the world is going to become, in my opinion, much more local, and we need to be we need to work on self sufficiency, uh, building community resilience, and um, and creating local solutions for most of our. For our needs. I know that's what ver- that was very broad, but maybe a last um, a last uh, idea here is that if we think about changing everything is too overwhelming. But what if you start from the things that they are really inspiring and engaging for you? We need people that will, will uh, find um, alternatives. I don't know for our economic model for for our food production, for our, our um, education, or our... so then let's focus all, each of us on the areas that we really want to, to work, and, um, but all of, all of us having this shared narrative, sh- this shared vision and trying to, to learn and interact among ourselves.
0: So basically the biggest problem I would say is that we don't communicate and work together enough.
1: <laughs> That's probably one of our main challenges. And when yeah. we try to do it, we, we are not effective enough. Mm-hmm. We maybe use too much time uh, discussing and maybe sometimes not enough time taking care of ourselves because all of us as activists, we suffer a lot because it's hard, because we're tired, because we can get burnout. So sometimes we don't take care of ourselves. And, and then, of course, we need to, to bring action. It's not enough we're discussing, we need to make things happen. So, so, yeah, it's like this balance between head, heart, and hands, no? And, and finding this mix among, among all these things. Yeah.
0: Sounds like a good goal <laughs> to have this mixture in our lives. Thank you so much, Juan, and for, for all your thoughts and uh, sharing them with us. It's been lovely talking to you. And I really hope we focus more on what we discussed today and building, uh, I don't know, building bridges between us, maybe building ways of communicating and trying to understand that no problem can be solved by one NGO or one person or one country. It has to be done together in the end, I think.